The UAE's Unemployment Insurance Scheme took effect earlier this month, giving all Emirati and expat employees in the country a vital safety net if they lose their job. The mandatory system is based on 60% of an employee's basic salary and is capped at a maximum of three months. While the finer details have yet to be announced, financial experts have welcomed the move, but say it's imperative that people also set up an emergency savings fund rather than rely solely on the unemployment benefits. Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Felicity Glover, the personal finance editor at The National. Joining me today is Karen Bobka, an independent financial advisor and senior partner with Holborn Assets, who's here to share her insights on the benefits of the new social security scheme. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams on your favourite podcasting app. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So the Unemployment Insurance Scheme is a welcome security blanket for all employees in the UAE. What are your thoughts on the benefits that it offers? Oh, this has to be a good thing for the UAE. I'm I'm really pleased that it's come in and that it's come in earlier than we expected because it's really just designed to be a safety net for people to support them, albeit in a limited way. It's not designed to replace a full income, clearly, but to give people a little bit of breathing space if they lose a job, to know that they're not going to be in immediate financial difficulty. That's always going to be a good thing for people. Yeah, no, definitely. It does compare quite well to other social security schemes around the world. Oh, yeah, I I think it does, considering, I mean, the the premiums that have been mentioned initially, I think were between 40 and 100 dirhams a year. That's very, very low. But the maximum benefit is 60% up to 20,000 dirhams. Now, 60% of an income, okay, it may not quite be enough, but it's still a fairly substantial amount when we're talking about income replacement schemes that we do see globally run by insurance companies, you know, rather than the government ones. So it's, it's a big step for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, losing a job is an extremely stressful time, you know, regardless of where you are in the world. You spend a lot of time with people discussing their finances. How do you think this will help people's mental health if they are worried about potentially being made redundant? It's going to be a massive help. And I think particularly on the back of the pandemic with so many people that lost their job initially some two and a half years ago. Um, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't being paid. There were a lot of people who just didn't have any income coming from the company uh, and then were made redundant. To know that there's something there and they're not immediately going to have nothing is a, a massive lifting of a, a mental burden for a lot of people. Now, obviously, the scheme isn't aimed at high earners. We know that because of the amounts that, that are payable. Um, but for those who have difficulty saving because their incomes aren't very high, to know that there's something there that they can meet their rent, they can pay their bills, that they can eat, that's got to give people an awful lot of, of breathing space because we all know that money worries are one of the big five concerns of the, the stress factors in people's lives. Definitely, they are. Now, I mean, some of the finer details of the scheme haven't been announced yet, such as, you know, if it's going to be deducted from an employee's salary or paid by their employer. Do you think that the 60% of a basic salary over that period of three months will be enough to carry a person until they do find a new job? Or should they also be thinking about setting up an emergency fund 
for even more peace of mind? Oh, number one step in financial planning is have an emergency fund. It doesn't matter whether there's any other scheme in place. Always, always, always have some cash to fall back on. And I've always said that this should be equivalent to at least three months outgoings and more if you've got children. So that sort of dovetails quite nicely, I think, with with the amounts payable. So that's not going to change. You should still have that amount. And if you haven't got it, please start putting money aside to save. So this shouldn't be an all, you know, a complete replacement. We, we're not going to say to people now, you don't need to have an emergency fund if you're in this scheme, but it's an extra, it's an F extra safeguard for you. You should still have that cash because it is only payable for three months. And though we would hope that people would be fortunate enough to find another job in three months, you just don't know. And again, having that that emergency fund there for any particular reason that you might require it is one of those things that gives you peace of mind. Absolutely, it does. Earlier this year, when the scheme was first announced, um, the Ministry of Human Resources and Emeritization said employees will be able to choose a higher tier once the policy is finalised. What do you think they mean by a higher tier? Does that mean potentially higher payments or higher um, sort of contributions? I'm not quite sure I understand that. Well, my guess would be that in time, we might have something that's closer to the private arrangements, or there are some through companies, in fact, in in the West that are insured schemes. So what I would expect possibly to see would be higher payouts, and obviously that is going to mean higher premiums, but we could be looking potentially, depending on how complicated they want to make it, different levels of cover, maybe an option for a longer payout, or maybe even a deferred period. And by that, I mean that you don't claim immediately, you can claim after three months, and then you get a payout, assuming obviously you've got an, an emergency fund to, to draw on. So, I mean, these are just options. It's me just guessing what, what could possibly happen. But because it's going to be such a big scheme, that you know, it's going to be available to millions of people in the UAE. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility to have something that does have multiple tiers and, and different options for people somewhere down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering as well. I mean, you can take out insurance privately, can't you, to to cover, um, say, loss of employment? Mm, Very, very limited. Um, Theoretically, there are options through your bank to cover debts and loans, but with an awful lot of caveats and the payout. Privately, there's there's next to nothing along that line. There are plans that you can look at that will pay out if you're unable to work due to ill health. But again, they are expensive and not suitable for most people. But there's very little here in terms of protecting people if they're unemployed. And I think and I suspect that's because you know we don't pay income tax because it's traditionally been a transient population, albeit less so these days than maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. That brings me to this question. Now, you've been here for a very long time, uh, Karen. How long has it been now? (laughs) Uh, I moved here in 2006. It does feel like a long time ago. It does. I mean, that's, uh, you know, 16 years ago. That's one thing that I wanted to ask you. You know, the UAE has made a number of positive economic, legal and social reforms over the past couple of years regarding visas, um, even, you know, the pension reforms that were were announced earlier this year as well. Do you think this coupled with the unemployment insurance, do you think that it will attract more people to live and work in the UAE 
for longer periods of time um, and perhaps even permanently, if that's possible? I think it probably will do. And I suspect there is a bit of a change out there. I certainly speak to fewer people that intend to be here for a couple of years. And I saw a lot more of that probably 10 years or so ago when I talked to clients and they'd say, oh, we've got a two to four year plan to stay before we leave. Now it, it tends to be a longer view. And I think we're going to see more and more of that with people having their own visas. So the golden visas, the green visas, more people having companies is that degree of security that perhaps we haven't seen quite so much in the past when people are employed and no job meant no income and, and nothing. Um, obviously, we don't really have the facility for expats to stay here permanently. But I wouldn't be surprised if we did have that one day. As you said, we've seen so many changes over the past 10, 12 years. And I think there's a different mindset about people wanting to stay here for the long term because of the lifestyle and the multiple other benefits that we have in this part of the world compared to where many of us have actually come from. I think you're right about that. I mean, you know, I've come back, you know, this is my second time back in the UAE and the differences that I find, you know, being here the second time around compared to, you know, sort of pre-2010, it's quite incredible. Um, and it's it's been incredibly fast, particularly the past couple of years as well. All of these really positive changes coming in, the benefits that are now happening, attracting worldwide, you know, talent from around the world and, you know, sort of also offering, you know, world-class benefits, I suppose you could say. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of people coming in on remote visas. And, and I suspect part of this is on the back of the pandemic, isn't it? I mean, we're talking from different cities right now. We can have meetings with anyone online from all over the world so people can work remotely. So there are people that are going to want to move here because they can, because the technology is there. But I think there's also a mindset of the UAE being a place to live permanently, not just a short-term stint and there's a there's a mental attitude as to how people are seeing things but you know all these changes they've, they've certainly kept us busy writing about them over the past few years and I suspect that's going to continue for a while as well. Thank you this week to Karen Bobka. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues you can write to me at pfatthenational.ae and remember PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to Pocket Flute Dirhams on your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Thomas Smith and I've been your host, Felicity Glover.